We are uh, continuing our four-week look at the Holy Spirit today, or the Holy Ghost. I uh, hope you have been blessed by this series. Uh, we began by talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. We mentioned how um, the Holy Spirit is one person in the Trinity, right? Our God is a triune God. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we looked at John 14 where... Uh, Jesus said that he has to go away so that the advocate could come. And the advocate is the Holy Spirit. And do you remember in week one that, that Greek word I threw out there, uh, paraclete? Paraclete is the person who comes along uh, beside someone to offer comfort and, and counsel, right? We, we said that, that the Holy Spirit uh, was sent to be our comfort. And so if you're hurting today because Father's Day is difficult for you, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is here to comfort you. And all you got to do is ask for his help. We said the Holy Spirit has been, has been sent to be our counsel, right? He shows us where to go. Some of you are, are lost today in some aspect of your life, right? You're either spiritually lost or you're emotionally lost or, or you're lost in a, in a situation uh, you don't know what to do in a, in a certain situation within your family or at work. The Holy Spirit was sent to help you. See, the Holy Spirit is not just someone we talk to or talk about on Sunday mornings. He's meant to help you Monday through Saturday when you're at the office and you're, you're frustrated. You don't know what to do. You pray, come Holy Spirit, right? We also mentioned how the Holy Spirit convicts us. He points out those areas in our lives where we're heading down the, the wrong road. He does that so that we can change course, so that we can be drawn closer to Jesus. So some of you know that you're doing some things in your life today that you should not be doing. If you know that today, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Some of you know you're feeling compelled to know more about this Jesus guy. That's the Holy Spirit moving in your life. And so if you want to talk about any of that, please come talk to me after worship today. I'd love to talk to you. Last week, we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We learned how the Holy Spirit is our power when we are weak. We learned that the Holy Spirit gives us hope in a hopeless world. And we learned the Holy Spirit lets us experience the fullness of God. And so if you missed any of those messages, um, Elijah, you did something I've never seen before, so <laughs> congratulations, son. <laughs> Maybe hit escape. Did that not work? Oh, now it hit uh, play right there, buddy. <laughs> Good job. Thank you, Mike. All right, just hit the space bar. That's the one button you got to push. All right, so if you missed those messages, you can find them online. And, but today I want to talk a little bit more about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Um, let me ask you to turn there. Does anyone enjoy magic tricks? Anyone enjoy a magic show? Okay, some of you. Um, I, I'm not going to do one. Don't worry. I, I can't do magic. Um, uh, although I can do the whole pulling my finger off trick. Uh, and uh, at least my two little ones have not yet figured out. Uh, and so to them, I, I have a trick thumb. Uh, but... 
Uh, I enjoy watching magic shows. Uh, I enjoy, you know, I don't mean the dark stuff. You know, I think there's a there's an area in, in magic that gets into really dark stuff that you don't need to participate in. I'm talking about like the fun stuff, like Penn and Teller. You know, you know Penn and Teller. I like Penn and Teller because Penn and Teller will tell you that they're about to trick you before they trick you, and so they're not trying to fool you. They're not trying to do anything dark or evil. Uh, they just are trying to do a fun little uh, sleight of hand. I like magic shows and. And to be honest, I can never figure out how they do the tricks. I'm just not smart enough to figure. I remember being a kid and watching David Copperfield walk through the Great Wall of China. Do y'all remember that? I see some heads shaking. I remember watching TV and watching David Copperfield walk through walls. I saw him do it, but I couldn't tell you how he did it. And a part of me doesn't really want to know, right? I enjoy the mystery of it. I enjoy thinking that these men and women have, like, superpowers. They can do amazing things. Like, like they're real superheroes that can literally walk through walls and read minds and predict the future. It's fun, right? That's the reason people like magic. They like to believe that those things are possible, that the impossible is possible. And we love it. And in the passage we're about to read, we're going to read about an event of which so many in the church like to discount because it doesn't make sense to them. And since it doesn't make sense to them, it must not be true or we must be misunderstanding it. It's just not possible. When the unexplainable happens in the church, unfortunately too often we turn into skeptics. And so look at the story found in Acts chapter 2. Starting in verse 1. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were, they were sitting. Then, well, like flames of tongues of fire appeared, appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And this passage tells the birth of the church. Jesus had come back from the dead and, he, uh, and, and hung on earth for about 40 days and, and then went back up into heaven. And now his believers are gathered together with all of a sudden tongues of fire began to set on each of their heads. And then it says everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in a moment, we're going to come back to that part about them speaking in other languages. But first, I want to talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful na nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Let me ask you something. Do you ever crave anything? If you were here for the first message in the series, you may have picked up on the fact that I love ice cream. Right? I mentioned two weeks ago that, that uh, uh, my sister-in-law used to live in Palm Harbor, Florida. She owned an ice cream shop. We'd go down there to visit, and all I wanted to do was go to the ice cream shop. Right? I wanted to support her business. I'm just a loving guy. That's, that's the kind of guy I am. 
right? That's my favorite part of the truth. There's ice cream around me. I just can't help to eat. Like, it, it, Liam the other day was craving ice cream. And so she, I bought her some ice cream as a gift, and it's still sitting in the freezer. I am so dadgum proud of myself. Like, I just, every time I open that freezer to get out something, I see that ice cream, and I haven't touched it, mainly because I married a Latina, and I, I like my arms. Uh, but uh, I have not touched it, right? Uh, she's not here, so okay. Uh, but I love ice cream. I crave ice cream. I just, uh, do you crave things? Right? Do you have a craving? Cravings can stink. And it's so easy for us to give into those cravings. We're so very good at rationalizing our behavior. Right? I rationalized how much I uh, how much ice cream I ate when we were in Florida by saying, hey, I'm on vacation, right? Vacation calories are a different kind of calorie, right? As humans, we all crave things. And often those cravings are for things that draw us away from God. They're the cravings of our sinful nature. And some of you are, are exhausted today because you have you have to fight a certain craving every moment of every day, right? A craving for an extramarital relationship, a craving for pornography, a craving for more money, a craving to be popular, that craving that keeps rearing its ugly head in your life, and you're just exhausted by it, right? You're tired of fighting it. This is where being filled with the Holy Spirit changes our lives. Again, Galatians 5, 16 and 17, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He guides our lives and changes our desires. But notice that last line. The two forces are constantly fighting each other. Right? Your body is going to fight back against what the Holy Spirit wants in your life. I mean, if you're a dad or a mom today, you know what this is like, right? Have you ever heard, but I don't want to? Have you ever heard that as a parent? But I don't want to. Right? We tell our kids the proper way to behave, and they say, but I don't want to, right? We say, don't do that. This is, this is not your proper This is what you should do. But I don't want to do that. I want to do that. How many of you have ever heard that as a parent? How many of you have ever said that to God, right? How many of you have ever said that to the Holy Spirit? You have felt led to do what you know is right, but your body pushes against it, and you say, but I don't want to do it. You want to give in to the desires of the flesh. You don't want to take the hard road and avoid the craving. Sometimes it can be very frustrating. And we see other Christians, and they seem to be able to say no to their sinful nature much more easily than we are. We, we wonder why. It's quite possible that they have more fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. If you're fighting cravings today, that you know will bring harm to you and your family or your career, there is a helper available to you. All you have to do is ask to be filled, and you will begin to see your desires change.
how you live will be changed. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Now here the Apostle Paul is saying there are, there are two groups of people. Those who are fools and those who are wise. What's the difference? Let's tie it back to that passage in Galatians. The fool gives into their fleshly desires. The wise one allows the Holy Spirit to fill them and to guide them and to change their desires. Some folks in this room right now are fools. And I know that sounds harsh. And I don't mean to offend you, but it's true and you need to hear me. But hear me, I'm not condemning you as a fool. I'm merely pointing out that the way you are living today is foolish. But here's the good news. You can become wise in an instant. To be wise means asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. Again, Ephesians chapter 5. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in those evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 again, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In these four verses, the Apostle Paul's not only drawing a very clear distinction between a life of a fool and a life of a wise person, but he's also telling us what leads to foolish behavior and what is behind wise behavior. Have you ever heard of liquid courage? Okay, some of y'all know it very well, I'm guessing. Uh, right, someone sees someone they find attractive, and so they, they in a bar, and so they, they down a few drinks, right, to gain courage enough to, to strike up a conversation. That's liquid courage, right? The person has something they want to do, but they know they can't do it on their own, and so they ask their good friend, Jack Daniels, to assist them, right? But what typically happens is they spend a little bit too much time with their friend Jack, and they end up making a fool of themselves, right? But it doesn't even have to be alcohol. It's whatever we're using or whatever we're looking to in order to get what we want. If it's not the Holy Spirit, then we are going to be living a life of a fool. But we need to understand something. Unlike being able to easily spot someone who spent too much time with their friend Jack, not everyone who's living the life of a fool is easy to spot. At least when we are comparing them to other fools. See, this is what gets us in the most trouble. When we keep comparing ourselves to other fools, then we never realize we are a fool. And so we have people all around us, and maybe some in this room, who are complete fools but have no idea. Now, before you get offended, understand what I mean by a fool. I'm not saying you're dumb. We, we, we must stop comparing how, our, how we live our lives with how others live their lives. How others live their lives is not and should not be the standard for us. We've talked about this before, but we are called to be holy as our Heavenly Father is holy. It is the wise person who pursues that life. 
But if you're letting the lives of your neighbors, your coworkers, or your friends to determine how you live your life, then you are missing the call in your life. Are you tracking with me? There is something or some things you are allowing to dictate how you live your life, and it's not the Holy Spirit. That's how you know you're a fool. Look, I know that can sound harsh. Blame the Apostle Paul because he's the one who said it, not me. very good at that. Thank you. <laughs> but whether we are allowing alcohol to govern us or it's just trying to keep up with the Joneses, it leads us to being nothing but a fool. So the word of God is clear, church. True wisdom can only come from God. And so if we want to live a life of wisdom, we must not be drunk on anything but the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost, and Jesus' followers began speaking in other languages. Some folks thought they were drunk. Now, here's the really interesting thing. The disciples looked like fools to those who were looking at them. Why? Because the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the others weren't. So we aren't talking about looking like a fool. Hear me. If you choose to live a life sold out to Jesus, you are going to look like a fool to the world. That's just the truth. The world will not understand what you are doing when you are living for Jesus. When you allow the word of God to determine how you live your life, you're going to look like a fool to everybody else. But looking like a fool is not the same thing as being a fool. The disciples were not fools at that time. How do we know? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's the sad truth. So many people would rather be a fool than look like a fool. Hear me. So many people would rather be a fool than look like a fool. So be careful, Ephesians 5.15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. We've got people all around us who are living like fools instead of pursuing godly wisdom because they're afraid of looking like a fool. Let that sink in, church. We've got people all around us, and maybe you're one of them, who are living like fools instead of pursuing godly wisdom because they are afraid of looking like a fool. We are not called to be fools, but to look like fools to the world by pursuing the holy life, the life of wisdom to which we are called. And we can only do that by being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 5 through 7, you'll find the greatest sermon ever preached. It's not mine. It's Jesus' uh, uh, Jesus Sermon on the Mount, Matthew uh, chapter 5 through 7. Jesus was laying out uh, why he came and, and, and what it means to be a follower of his. And, and I'm not going to lie, Jesus sets the bar like really high. I don't have them on the screen, but let me just give you some examples here. Jesus said, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are a subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Matthew 5, 27 and 28, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
Matthew 5, 43, 44. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. David Long writes, the message Jesus and his disciples taught to, uh, to and through the church was not only a message of forgiveness. It was not only a message of ju judicial restoration of one's relationship with God. It was a message of newness of life, transformation of life in the here and now. The life Jesus taught us to live is only possible if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, living the way Jesus has called us to live goes from what seems to be an impossible, impossible task to actually being possible. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for your life? When you think about living a sold-out life for Jesus, when you think about being one of those Christians, when, what is the thing you think you could never do? In order to become that Christian that you think you need to be, what's the thing that's standing in your way? Is it the thought of, I could never spend an entire hour in prayer like, like those Christians do? I could never really study and read my Bible every single day like those Christians do. I can't really cut those people out of my life. I, I can't really forgive that person. Or maybe it's sacrificially giving, or, or maybe it's loving an enemy. But what is it in your life? What is that thing that you just can't see yourself ever achieving? That, that call in the life of a Christian that you go, yeah, I just can't do that. What is that thing that you know would make you look like a fool to this world if you did? Hear me, church. You were called and you were created to look like a fool, not be a fool. Is anyone tired of being a fool? Maybe you just aren't, you're, maybe you're just beginning to catch on that you've been basing your life choices off what you think those around you would do or think. And let's be fair, maybe those, those life choices have led to some success. And if so, congratulations. Congratulations, you're a successful fool. And maybe you're fine with that. Maybe you're fine with that. If you are, own it. At least be honest with yourself. Maybe you're beginning to realize that even though you have achieved some success, you're still just a fool because you've allowed the whims and beliefs of this world to shape what you chased. And you realize that the success is hollow. See, the life of a fool is a hollow life. The life of a fool is a life that leads to destruction of some kind. It's the life of a fool that leads to broken marriages. It's the life of a fool that leads to broken relationships between parents and children. It's the life of a fool that leads to lives lost to addiction. It's the life of a fool that leads to racial animosity. It's the life of a fool that, that leads to the, the sexual depravity we, we're seeing all around us. Church, we are not called to be fools. We are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can pursue the holy life to which we are called. We are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we look like fools to the world because we are living the countercultural life to which Jesus called us. Church, are you a fool or do you look like a fool? 
question we need to answer. And frankly, it's a pretty heavy and big question. It's a question that we may fear asking because of what it could mean for us. But are you willing to ask it? And more specifically, are you willing to ask the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to ask him to answer the question for you? And so we're just, we're going to do that this morning. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit. Am I a fool? And so I want to give you some time to do that. Michael, come back up. I want to give you some time to do that this morning. Just go ahead and bow your head. Close your eyes. I just want to invite you to ask me the question. Holy Spirit, have I been living like a fool? Am I a fool? And then I want you just to listen. In a moment, I'll close this in prayer. We'll sing the last song. Just spend some time in prayer asking that question and listen.